in reflection of your role within the business that you might be able to get marketing or you know to to help you out and of course you know uh, the fact that you are being perceived as a thought leader within your current employer is only going to attract other employers to you. Um, so you don't need to be explicit about, hey, I'm doing this because I'm wanting to find a new job. Um, you're doing it because you want to be perceived as being a thought leader within your space. That is only to make you more attractive to future employers. Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organisations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. Hi, Brett. How are things today? Things are very well, thank you, Richard. Oh, that's good. It's uh, getting close to Christmas. I'm not sure what time this podcast will go live, but certainly uh, uh, I'm starting to think about you know the final run into the end of the year. I haven't even thought about it myself, but thanks for reminding me. <laughs> okay, what are we talking about today? Today, personal brand. Right. So that's a big thing for me because we're all about authority marketing in our sure. business. That's what we've been doing with you. Yeah. Mostly we do it with, with business owners. Mm. But we, what, what I hear a lot more people talking about now, and, and my wife, she's in the leadership coaching field and, and team development, I keep hearing personal brand mentioned in terms of executives developing their own personal brand. Right. So I wanted to pick your brains today mm. to find out what, what does that mean for you? Uh, what would you tell someone in the executive space uh, about what they need to do to build a brand? Yeah, I, look, I, I mean, it certainly uh, uh, is becoming a lot more prevalent. And, you know, one of the ladies I've interviewed for my podcast, Susie Lightfoot, for example, specialises in helping executive women with their personal brand. And then, you know, there are all different kinds of um, programs out there, key person of influence and, and others like that. Um, I think that people are coming to a realisation now that, it is not just about doing a great job. You know, if you want to get access to the best opportunities, uh, it needs to be more than just, you know, sitting, putting your head down and competently um, executing on your responsibilities. Um, I went to, uh, well, actually participated in a panel discussion a couple of years ago for the Australian Institute of Management. Um, for young people about how to accelerate their careers. And uh, I was on this panel with a, um, a PR guy and, and uh, a lecturer in um, leadership from one of the universities. <clears throat> and there were you know, a whole bunch of um, young people there and, and you know, they started to ask the question about, you know, should I Instagram, should I do this, should I have my own blog, should I have my own website and so on. And, you know, as the old bull talking to the young bulls, or the young bulls and whatever, young cows, there's probably you know, politically inappropriate to say young cow, whatever, uh, a young heifer would it be. Um, uh, you know, it's the old bull talking to them. I said, look, at your point in your career, you know, your personal brand is about you doing good work. It's about showing up on time. It's about delivering to expectation. Um, I think all of these other things are just a big distraction. 
but as you become more advanced in your career, then it, it's time to start to put attention on uh, how are you branding yourself out in the marketplace. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to start a podcast or a blog or do some of these more, you know, um, uh, social media type branding exercises, but it could be participating uh, by speaking at a conference. It could be joining a board of an industry association. Uh, it could be contributing um, an article to an industry magazine. Um, you know, it's these are the kind of things that start to separate you out from uh, ninety percent of people who um, who don't put any attention on that. I think fundamentally, at the end of the day, regardless of what your role is called, um, you know, there is an element to sales to every role whether it's selling your employer or a prospective employer as to why you're the best candidate, selling your team on you know, why you want them to deliver uh, the sort of tactical expectations you have, or selling to suppliers or customers or selling prospective employees about why you're an employer of choice. You know, there's, a, there's an element of sales. Uh, I think LinkedIn now um, has got to the point where I know for myself, every time I meet with somebody, before I meet them, I, looked at their, I look at their LinkedIn profile. You know, and uh, if I can see that they've got you know, endorsements, they've got a good quality LinkedIn profile, and you know, potentially they have um, written blogs or posts or things like that, that is only going to uh, increase my receptivity to them uh, because there's some um, tangible evidence that you know they are good at their job. Um, I think you know certainly in Australia with the idea of this sort of tall poppy syndrome, and um, uh, you don't want to be the person that's out there blowing your trumpet, you know, uh, uh, to the point that it seems insincere. Uh, you know, and there are certainly people out there that, for example, they'll post that they've just been nominated as one of the 50 most influential women in business in Australia or they've just won some kind of leadership award or whatever it might be and yet because I know them, um, uh, I know that you know the reality is that they're struggling, they're not successful and, uh, uh, and I think that sometimes you know, um, building a personal brand which isn't um, congruent with where you are is going to be a disadvantage rather than an advantage. Um, but what, what I see a lot of the time when I'm interviewing uh, uh, or just having general sort of conversation chats with senior executives is they'll say to me, look Richard, for the last five years in my job, really I've just put my head down, I've done my job and I've put no attention on networking, I've put no attention on building my personal brand. Now, five years later, I'm thinking it's time to look for a new job and I'm realising, you know, I don't have those networks or mentors in, uh, to support my job search and to open up opportunity for me. So uh, putting some attention on this uh, uh, at all times through your career is, is very important. And I suppose a lot of what you're doing, Brett, with me in terms of um, the level of activity and the quality of activity Perhaps the same level of activity is not required, but the quality definitely is. There's no point in writing, you know, uh, blogs or 
um, or giving presentations um, to enhance your personal brand, but the actual quality of content is terrible, or your ability to deliver that content is terrible. I mean, if you're not a good speaker, you know, go and do Toastmasters. If you're not a good writer, engage somebody like, you know, you to, um, to assist with that writing process. Uh, you know, there's, there's lots of ways that um, you can approach personal brand. I mean, another, you know, simple one is, you know, how you dress. Um, and if you're like me and you're not, a, you know, a particular fashionista, you know, go and see somebody who will pick out your clothes for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's many facets to it, I suppose. Right. So the one source of reluctance, I think, for a lot of people when it comes to putting themselves out there is, I imagine, towing the corporate line. So in terms of building my personal brand, I'm wearing my hat, but I'm also wearing the company hat. Yeah. Where does, at what point does someone need to go and get corporate approval to, to be out there spreading a message? Like, how much initiative should someone take on their own and how... How much should they refer back to, back to their upline manager for permission to do these sorts of things? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, um, uh, and you do need to very clearly separate your personal brand from the organisation. So, uh, you would not be going and writing um, Facebook posts or um, uh, or perhaps LinkedIn activity posts. As you know, as if you were representing your organisation without approval to do that. I mean, if anything, you know, that's not going to uh, bode well for you. Um, however, in saying that, I think the reality is is that employers would prefer that in the main the um, the senior employees are doing it more than they do. So, for example. Um, a very good relationship with the CEO of a large uh, engineering services company and he has engineers who head each of his divisions so roads, bridges, um, construction, whatever it is and he said look these guys are all engineers and they're bloody good at being engineers but they're, they're not putting any energy or investment into building their own personal brands so as a result he is the guy that all the clients contact all the time uh, because his leaders are not um, branding themselves uh, as being the go-to person. So I think you'd probably find that if you went to your employer and said, look, you know, I would like to start to, um, you know, do some things uh, to build my personal brand, as long as they were appropriate and in line with the company values and so on, I think in the main, you'd get a lot of support to do that. Um, uh, and in fact, it might even be a case that if you're doing it in reflection of your role within the business, that you might be able to get marketing or you know to to help you out. Um, uh, and of course, you know uh, the fact that you are being perceived as a thought leader within your current employer is only going to attract other employers to you. Um, so you don't need to be explicit about, hey, I'm doing this because I'm wanting to find a new job. Um, you're doing it because you want to be perceived as being a thought leader within your space. That is only to make you more attractive to future employers uh, anyway. Right. So given that there is a, uh, 
there is a potential benefit to the organisation if their leaders have strong personal brands themselves. Is there more that organisations could be doing to make them proactive in, in that, like supporting their senior executives to go out and, and put some effort into it and, and even give them the resources to do that? Oh, you know, there's heaps. I mean, you, uh, at a most simplistic level, uh, if you look at a particular company and you look at the LinkedIn profiles of their executive leadership team, you know, one person won't even have one. One person will have one that's completely rubbish. One person will have one where it talks all about them and not the company. And there's no consistency, there's no quality, there's no um, brand messaging. Um, uh, I think the um, employers should be saying to their senior executives, um, you know, we are going to ensure that all of our executive leaders have LinkedIn profiles that look consistent, that um, protect and enhance the brand, um, because you know our future customers, suppliers, future employees, and so on are looking at LinkedIn profiles. If they're rubbish, you know you're not going to attract um, the best quality connections than if you had a really good one. Uh, likewise, at board level, you know they have a board of directors, um, and there's just you know, some of those board members won't even have LinkedIn profiles because um, uh, board members have been later adopters of LinkedIn than you know than uh, executives. Um, I would be I would be saying, okay, we're going to get our marketing department to either write your LinkedIn profiles or provide a framework for writing them, or we'll employ a third party to come in and do that. I mean, that's at its most basic level. Um, uh, employers want their executive leaders to deliver the best quality outcomes and more often than not that's them in the trenches doing the day-to-day -day tactical work um, uh, but at the same time you know there used to be an expression in recruitment the war for talent um, it kind of went away for a while during the GFC when it was a candidate rich you know, market, but you know we're definitely back in that space now. Um, you know, the war for talent means attracting the best quality people. You know, and, and as an example, um, uh, we were retained by a, one of the largest um, chartered accounting businesses in the world um, to recruit. You know, people into their business, and what we found is that you know when we were going out and headhunting. Uh, the people at the level that they were trying to recruit just were not interested in moving. You know, they were on a pathway to partnership and, and there was no appetite to move. And largely, it was a very homogenous market. You know, what's the difference between PwC and EY? Uh, it wasn't either of those firms. But, for example, they're largely, you know, the same beast. Uh, so why would I leave one to join the other? So, you know, we had to tell the partners of this uh, professional services company you guys need to be out there building your personal brand. You need to bring some humanity to it so that you know, you're starting to build a community of people that either want to come and work for you or refer, will refer the people that want to come and work for you. And these partners go, I don't want to do that. You know, I'm busy doing counting, you know, doing um, audits or you're know, doing prospectuses or whatever. You know, that's my job. My job is not out there you know, uh, grooming graduates to want to come and work for me. Um, and as a result, they weren't attracting any talent. So, 
um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's got to be a commitment from the organisation to supporting the leaders because a CFO, you know, is not somebody who naturally, you know, is extroverted or wants to, you know, is in any way focused on their brand. Um, you know, uh, the head of marketing might be, um, but this is not something that comes easily to people. Whereas I suppose your business, um, you know, and me as a client, I mean, business owners of professional services companies or any company, we recognise that there is no alternative to doing this. As I say, people say, oh, Richard, you're so prolific now on LinkedIn and, you know, your, your newsletters are so good and, you know, all your podcasts and so on and so forth. And I say, well, it's just not a good enough. It's not enough to do a good job anymore, hmm. you know. Um, uh, unless you're front of mind, uh, uh, the likelihood is your business will fail. And certainly exactly. that's been true for me. Yeah. Um, and whilst, uh, you know, it, I, it's um, some of the result of the work that we've been doing together is um, intangible and unmeasurable, there is no doubt that it has had a substantive uh, result in the improvement in terms of the levels of inquiry uh, and new work that we've been picking up. It's been uh, invaluable. Brilliant, brilliant. So just going back to the, uh, the, the question of the organisation being proactive and supportive, uh, I imagine someone with a, with a cynical view at a senior level then might say, well, why would we go out and build this person's personal brand when they're not going to be with us forever? They might leave us in of two course. years or three years. Sure. Uh, so why would we invest resources into building their brand? Right. And again, that's a, you know, very common feedback, right? Yeah. So you go, okay, well, really, you know, what's the investment? Um, let's assume you threw some marketing resources at, you know, building their LinkedIn profile or... And, and we should add here that we're not talking about a lot of resources. We're not talking about massive budgets oh, that's that what need I mean. to be allocated. You know, that's yeah. right. You know, if you think about um, the cost to hire a $200,000 executive through a recruiter that's charging 15%, okay, which is a low recruitment fee, um, uh, you know, that's $30,000, okay? So if you invest a few thousand dollars in helping your senior executives to get a great LinkedIn profile, and that results in them bringing one new employee into the business where you didn't have to re pay a recruitment fee, it's paid itself back 10 times, hmm. you know? Uh, if uh, it results in them uh, through speaking at a conference, you know, winning a new client or, um, you know, having a more successful negotiation or whatever it is, it's a no-brainer. But you're right, you know, people, um, employers have a very sort of jaded view, you know, um, uh, because it's not obvious uh, they will um, err on the side of this sort of cynicism about, yeah, we, you know, we're um, investing this money and, and that's going to attract headhunters. So why would we um, why would we do that? But I think you need to take a view. Um, remember, I sent you that article. You know, they, they, they did that survey. Only thirteen percent of employees uh, in a corporate environment like their job most mm. of the time, 13%. Mm. So it's 87% of um, employees don't like their job most of the time. 
uh, average professional tenure in Australia is less than three years. So that means that a third of your executive leadership team are looking for a new job at any one time. I mean, it's just reality. So if right. you if you said, well, we're not going to spend money on supporting people to build their brand because they're a flight risk. Well, they're a flight risk anyway. Right. Um, uh, but the interesting thing is, you know, if you turn that upside down, um, I can't speak about it from a branding point of view, but let's talk about it from a coaching point of view. Uh, if an employer says to a member of their leadership team, we want you to do a better job, um, or you know, uh, we want to support you in being more successful in your role, so we are going to pay for you to have a coach, most of the time, if not all of the time, the executive goes, yeah, that's awesome, I'd love to have a coach. Um, you say to an executive, um, why don't you invest in coaching to enable you to do a better job and potentially get a bigger, better, more well-paid mm. role? Very, very few people will pay for it out of their own pocket. Yeah. Which is crazy, yeah, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, if I was an executive and I thought to myself, I have aspirations to have, um, you know, be promoted and to move into you know, um, more senior roles, either for more money or responsibility or whatever it is, would I invest in having a personal branding person uh, do some simple things inexpensively to help me to do that? I would, you know, as a business owner, I say for sure, I would mm. definitely do that. As an executive, um, people won't invest in themselves. Yeah. And then they expect their employers to invest in them, but the employers don't invest so it's a bit of a catch-22 situation. Got it. Yeah. I suppose if you're an executive, you said, I'm going to commit that I'm going to put a certain percentage of my income every year into my professional development. Hmm. It'd be an awesome investment. But yep. I can't imagine too many people are, you know, that forward thinking. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, maybe intellectually, if people start to associate brand with professional development, then they might be more inclined to, uh, because people want to, they, they want to keep up with the latest and greatest knowledge and yeah. whatever the, the latest trends are and qualifications. Mm. And if mm. brand was seen as part of that package, mm. like you can have all the latest and greatest, but if no one knows about you or, or knows about your achievements, then what does it all add up to? A absolutely. Yeah. You know, I know when I did the, the KPI program, uh, I said to the guys who were running that, um, you know, uh, becoming a key person of influence, their market was small and medium business owners. I said, senior executives need this as much, if not more, mm. than business owners. They have to become the key person of influence within their space to get the best opportunities. Nobody in that course was an executive. Right. None. Okay. Um, and I think that they tried to, you know, explore that market enough to realise that there was just very low appetite, yeah. you know, which is, to me seems insane. Yeah. Um, people are going and spending fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars on an MBA, which as a qualification is largely um, dismissed. Hmm. You know, uh, oh, I've got to do an MBA. Well, the reality is most employers think MBAs are a lot of rubbish, hmm. um, and yet for a fraction of that. You know, if they invested that in doing a program like KPI or 
utilising somebody like you, you know, I, I, the, the return on investment would be, you know, 10 times, if not more. Yep. Um, mm. Yeah. Have you noticed, um, is, is there a different appetite for personal branding in, in say, the USA or, or, or other parts of the world? Like, is it part of the Australian culture that we, we tend to kind of uh, hide, for want of a better word? Uh, I've not recruited in right. um, the US, uh, so I can't really say. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't know. I know that, for example, in the US, if you are a middle-level manager and you want to move up the ranks, it's almost taken for granted that you've done an MBA. Yeah. And it's about which school you went to and was it Ivy League school or right. whatever. In Australia, I can say, as somebody who's recruited at an executive level now for 17 years, and if we just think in the last 10 years of running Arate and having done probably in that time 800 assignments, I could count on one hand the number of times the employer said, we'd like somebody with an MBA. Wow. Because the, the dis- Australians want practical, right. real-world experience. Okay. Um, uh, they don't care about qualification. Right. Mm. Okay. Very good. Mm. All right. Well, thank you, Richard. That was, um, yeah, insightful as always, and I'm sure the listeners have got some value out of that. And good. Hopefully, we've got them scratching their heads and thinking, what could I be doing to, uh, to brand myself or make myself more known? To the yeah, industry. I think that there's a lot of resources out there um, and there's a lot of great people that can, can help you. Um, often people just don't know where to start. Uh, yeah. So it's about doing a few simple things really well and consistently rather than trying to, you know, um, uh, do something which is some fabulous and, you know, yeah. uh, uh, often... Um, it's so involved and so uh, convoluted that you, you know, you lose interest or, or lose some motivation. I mean, starting and running a podcast and having done 110 episodes, you know, it's bloody hard work. Yeah. Um, uh, but having a good LinkedIn profile and producing a quality vlog once a month, yeah. you know, is a completely different scenario. So I suppose it's about deciding, you know, how much time and energy to put into it and, and also who can help you to do it as professionally as possible. Thanks, Brad. Thank you, Richard. Okay. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Arate Podcast with Richard Treeks. For show notes and other resources, please visit aratepodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes so you can continue your own journey towards realizing your full potential as a senior executive. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.